Attempt blocked by McNabb. To the right circle, a try, kick save Hill. Rebound, another try, save Hill. A third try, save, and the rebound to the right corner. Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Blob boots it ahead, sticks it left, Barbashev in, back to the right, a shot, score! Marcia so, 19 seconds in. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at lvsportsnetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, hanging out with you for another hour. Chapman, you said that we have tickets to give away? We do, yes, if you want to go see the Nashville Predators next Tuesday. All right, we will do that in just a little bit. Got one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. We'll talk a little bit about Connor Bedard, the Columbus Blue Jackets, maybe John Tortorella. Maybe John Tortorella. I don't know. Uh, But we are going to get into right now, and and we were going to do contenders, pretenders. We'll see how long this goes. We'll see how long this takes us to kind of dig into Nick Waugh, John of the Marcheseau, and Ivan Barbashev, and just how dynamic this trio has been since Jack Eichel went out of the lineup for the Golden Knights with an injury. Um, And we might have to push contenders, pretenders to to tomorrow. So we'll see kind of how things go. Now, I pose the question... And like this is, this is kind of a like you know inside baseball type situation here. I'm the one that sent out the note on the text line, asking, "Has Nick Wad done enough in your eyes to keep his spot alongside Barbashev and Marcheseau when healthy?" Now, when healthy is not a throwaway statement in that situation. It's truthfully asking. When healthy, meaning when the Vegas Golden Knights have their full complement of players, when Jack Eichel's healthy, when William Carrier is healthy, when you have a full lineup available at your disposal, ready to go, has Nick Wad done enough to, at least in the short term, keep him alongside Barbashev and Marcheseau? Now listen, I understand that it would be perfectly understandable and probably the the wise thing, when Jack Eichel's healthy and available, Jack Eichel goes right back into his spot with Barbashev and Marcheseau. You want a Stanley Cup that way. Jack Eichel was absolutely dynamic and brilliant in the postseason. Jonathan Marcheseau was a Conn Smythe winner. Ivan Barbashev was an absolute wrecking ball. Like That line works. I fully understand it. I fully get it. If that's your line of thinking, by all means, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, you know at the height of their power what that line can do together. And I think ultimately, like this is all a fun topic of conversation, ultimately when when the games matter, when the games mean more, when the Golden Knights get to the postseason, I think it'll be Eichel in that spot anyway. My question, though, is has Nick Waugh done enough to at least get more runway and not stopping something prematurely? Has he done enough in your eyes to kind of push that beyond we're healthy now, everything's going back to normal? And so here's my argument for why he has. It's been 11 games that Barbashev, Waugh, and Marcheseau have been together. There have been ups and downs. There have been injuries. There's been illness. 11 games, that's the sample size. Some of those games without William Carlson available to you in the lineup, 
majority of those games without William Carlson. But that's the line, right? Like, those are the three guys you're relying upon night in and night out to score goals for you. That's who the opposition is lining up trying to stop. Jonathan Marcheseau, Nick Waugh, Ivan Barbashev. So 11 games. Nick Waugh, three goals, 11 assists, 14 points. That's a 104-point pace over an 82-game season. Ivan Barbashev, 11 games, four goals, eight assists, 12 points in 11 games. That's a 90-point pace over 82 games. And here's one, Jonathan Marcheseau, 11 games, 10 goals, four assists, 14 points, Again, a 104-point pace and a 75-goal pace over 82 games. So when, you, when, when I ask this question, I'm, I'm not asking it with any disrespect to any player in any spot. And I fully recognize that this stretch of 11 games is likely not to repeat itself over the next 11 games. It's likely not to repeat itself over 82 games. In, in the same way that we looked at the Golden Knights at the beginning of the year, they go 11-0-1, and I said they will not have another stretch of 11, 12, 10, whatever it is. They will not have another stretch of games where they are that dominant, where they pick up that many points in that span of time. But they, there's something undeniable in those numbers. You can't really look at that, at that trio and say they don't work together. They do. And... I guess the question is, can you build something else around Jack Eichel that allows you to keep these three guys together and makes you better in the long run? That's what the question becomes, right? Like, if you were going to keep Waugh with Barbashev and Marcheseau, the numbers that they're putting up, they're staggering. But you can only keep that together if you have another option, another thought, another idea, another combination, or another situation for Jack Eichel that allows you to maximize Jack and this trio of players. What say you, Chapman? Well, I think you have to start with the production that you're getting out of Nick Waugh, right? Like, that's it's obviously in 44 games he's got 29 points and a big bulk of those have come in the last 10 11 games his career high in points is only 39 and that was in 78 games two seasons ago he took a little bit of a step back last year he also missed 17 games and he had 30 points so with one point nick wah will equal his point total from last season mm-hmm. i think nick wah has proven the last 3 seasons that you can put him anywhere in the lineup and he's going to give you solid performance. We talked about Brett Howden being a guy who goes out and does a job. Yeah. Nick Waugh is a guy who also, you ask him to do a job, he can go out and do it. He could play high up in the lineup. He could play down at the bottom if you need. The other, the other aspect that you brought up was, can you build something around Jack Eichel? Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel is... I think skill-wise, the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no matter where you put him in the lineup, Jack Eichel is going to produce. Yeah, I agree with that. He's going to get his goals. He's going to get his assists. He's going to give you good two-way play. He's going to produce no matter who's with him. Mm -hmm. Nick Waugh is a guy who's also produced, obviously not at the level of Jack Eichel, no matter where you've put him. 
Like he's proven that he could produce for you on the fourth line. He's proven he could produce for you on the top line. But I think because of how well he's played with Barbashev and Marcheseau, I feel like you have to go with that until it doesn't work. Like until that becomes alignment doesn't work, Mm -hmm. you have to stick with it because it's proven that at least right now it works. And I'll throw the Minnesota game out because nobody really played well in that game. They did score in that game. That line did, yeah. Yeah. But I think overall the team wasn't good. No, no, they weren't. And But you look at the games before that. You look at the, the goal he scored against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. What I like about what you're getting from Nick Waugh is where his goals are coming from. Down low, they're, they're in the dirty areas of the ice. He's getting rebounds and putting them in. Well, that's a product of how he plays. Yes, but and, he's got a lot more opportunity to do that playing with Marcia So and Barbashev because obviously Marcia So is a high shot guy, high shot volume guy. Uh huh. And does, does it work because of Nick Waugh or does it work because of Barbashev and Marcia So? Well, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. I think Nick Waugh is a good enough player. Because, because and, and the reason that I ask that, like when you have Eichel, Barbashev, and Marcia So, they do have the ability to score from in zone offense, right? Like they do have the ability to recycle pucks, get to the front of the net and score. But by and large, like they're more dangerous chances when pucks are going in for them more often than not, it's going to be on the rush. And it's been less rush for those guys. It's been less rush for Barbashev and Marcia. So, but the production has been arguably as good as it's been all season long, if not a little bit better. So I guess, the bigger question is for Barbashev, maybe more so than Marcia. So, but I guess it's a question for both of them. Is their game right now better suited to rush or in zone offense? Oof. They it, knowing full well they can do both. Yeah. However, yeah. your rush opportunities dwindle with Nick Waugh because he does not have the same speed through the neutral zone. He does not have the same type of game and the the attack ability that a a Jack Eichel has through the neutral zone that opens up rush opportunities. I I think I'm going to go with the end zone because I think, as we've seen, teams have come in to T-Mobile Arena Mm -hmm. and slowed down the rush. Sure. Right? Like the LA Kings are, are a team that really doesn't let you get a whole lot through the neutral zone. Yeah. So... If you're able to control the puck, I feel like that's better suited. I mean, Marcheseau's got a wicked one-timer, right? Like, he he's not afraid to to fire a missile off his stick. Mm-hmm. I think Barbashev is, is a bit of a of, of a of a guy who can give you he – can, he can grind, but he's also got some skill. And I think uh, – Sorry. Yeah, I know. Distraction. one nothing LA. Kopitar? Yeah. Uh, well, that's Kopitar. Nico Dawes, Dawes and goal. That explains a whole lot, but – um, so by the way, shorthanded goal, good job, New Jersey devils. But I think, I think that with Nick Wah, he gives you a little bit more of, of a puck possession guy, a guy who allows mm-hmm. you to control the puck in the offensive zone. And one of the things that I, that I hear Bruce talk about a lot is sometimes they don't control the play mm-hmm. in the offensive zone. Yeah. I feel like it increases your opportunities to score a goal when you're able to control the puck in the offensive zone. And those three guys together have shown that not only can they do that, but they can be effective doing that. 
so then here's the question that that begets is there a is there a duo is there a pair that you can keep together and still find a spot so like for instance could you keep Barbashev and Wa together Ooh. and can you then have Eichel and Marcia so together and then you've got Stevenson and Stone together I feel like there's something to be said about that. And I think a lot of it has to do with Barbashev. Like, to me, Barbashev has has come on. Like, I know Marcheseau's got all the goals. But this is the most productive Ivan Barbashev has been in the regular season for the Golden Knights, really since he's become a Vegas Golden Knight. Alongside Nick Watt, like, he has been so, so good. And I think it speaks to him as a player. I think he understands the game at a higher level when you're cycling pucks when you're in the offensive zone, when you're, your attack is kind of predicated on the forecheck and kind of creating these, these angles and these, these areas of the ice where you can get into in the offensive zone. Like, I think Barbashev might be better suited to play with Wah in perpetuity than, you know, that, that trio together. But then I still don't know what you do around that because if you have those pairs, right, Barbashev, Wah, Eichel and Marcheseau, Stevenson and Stone, Carlson and Amadio. You, you you can't have five lines. Yeah, yeah. And then you start kind of messing with the the continuity of 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 your depth and how you're going to kind of deploy things. Here's a comment on the text line, and and again, text line's always open seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. You can send us a note at any point in time about any topic. Really, we'll get to it eventually. I promise. Rick Nexter says, I like that one. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Meaning, has Nick Waugh done enough? He says, unfortunately, no. If the team's healthy, Waugh being the fourth line center gives the team favorable matchups to exploit. It also allows them to roll four lines without chasing matchups. Right on the money. I think that's a really that's a really valid point. It, it's, it's a great point because it kind of goes back to what our conversation was about the Carolina Hurricanes at the beginning of the of the show, right? If you have a second-line center, which is what we believe Sebastian Ajo to be, maybe he's like the lower tier of a top-line center, but he's not a tried-and-true I don't think he's a, he's a top-line center on a Stanley Cup-winning team. No, he isn't. And so when you've got a, a, a second-line center on a Stanley Cup championship-caliber team as your number-one center and you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, then that kind of pushes everybody into a spot where they're playing a little bit higher than they should be, or you're just not able to get those matchups. And so often in the postseason, we have talked about Nick Waugh's ability to go out there and win a battle, to go out there and score a big goal. We've talked about Will Carrier and his ability with Waugh to possess the puck, to hold the puck, to win shifts from the, the opposition's best line so that you set yourself up in a better spot for Eichel, for Stone, for Carlson, as much as I'm loving the production out of those three, and as as much as I'm happy for Nick Waugh to show the world that he is more than a fourth-line guy, ultimately, when the games matter, when there's something on the line, I think you've got Nick Waugh on your fourth line. I just do. As good as the production has been, as great of a stretch as this has been for him, 
I think if you go into a playoff series knowing that you can go down the middle, Eichel, Stevenson, Carlson, Wah, you're doing that all day long. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 what we talked about with Carolina and them not having. Yeah, 100%. And one team's got a Stanley Cup championship recently, yeah, and the other one doesn't. I mean, the center depth of the Golden Knights, I mean, in theory, they've got they've got five guys who are legitimate NHL centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Howden, throw, I'm throwing him in there as well. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is, I like Rick's comment because it makes it makes me think about what Bruce could be thinking. Yeah. Like it, it it gets into the mind of a coach and it's it's all about exploiting matchups and not chasing the game. And I think he's he's probably spot on. Like I think we can sit here and cheerlead for for Nick Waugh and look, I believe he's proven that he deserves the opportunity to to continue to play higher up in the line. But at the end of the day, it's not about your top two lines. It's about the ability to roll four lines, which is why the Golden Knights won a Stanley Cup last year. It was their ability to roll four lines, and it was their their depth, especially at the center position. So I think ultimately Rick's onto something. Like I, I think that's probably what we're going to end up see happen when Jack Eichel does come back. I think Nick Waugh will be bumped down back mm-hmm. to his spot. But I think a lot of that is also predicated on the health of William Carrier. I I agree with that. Like you need Carrier, Waugh, and Colasar back together because right? they're 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 the the meat grinders, right? That was yeah. that's that's kind of what what we've called them, and so it's it's a lot of it. You 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 need the three of those guys healthy because when they're when the three of them together, they just click. Like they know what each other are doing on the ice. There's a ton of chemistry. I think. Even though Keegan Colasar's maybe points numbers are down, I think he's become a better player. Like the evolution of his game, like he doesn't need to put up a ton of points. Here, here's the thing with Colasar, he is so much better defensively than anyone's ever going to give him credit. And for. that's that's the and and he's good on the puck. Like, he's great on the puck. He rarely makes the wrong decision. Yeah, rarely makes the wrong decision. In 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 a lot of ways. The things we marvel at with Jonas Ronbjerg, Keegan Kolasar has all of those. Yeah. But at a higher level. Yeah. Like he's I, never on the wrong side of the puck. He's always making the right decision inside the just inside the offensive blue line, just inside his own blue line. The guy is really, really good and thinks the game at a high level. And that's why that line works together. Yeah. And I think the unfortunate thing is they're gonna have some guys when this team gets fully healthy mm-hmm. who are gonna come out of that lineup. Like, I think Jonas Rombierg, I think that's a tough one because I, I, I know there's not a spot for him, but I think if you have to put him on waivers, and I don't know all the rules with the emergency call-up, I'm not going to pretend to know him, but I feel like if you put him on waivers, you're going to lose him. That's that's a that's a risk, 100%. But if you're telling me you got Will Carrier back in the fold, yeah. William Carrier is, a, is an upgrade over... Jonas Rombier, absolutely. All yeah. of the things that Rombier can do, Carrier does better, and he can score. Yeah, right. And that's you know, so you start to think about it from that perspective. Qua on your fourth line, it's not Barbashev and Marcheseau, but it is Carrier, it is Kolasar, 
And it has at times, when those three are together, been the best fourth line in hockey. You know, and oftentimes we talk about the difference in a series, the difference in winning four out of seven versus losing four out of seven comes down to your depth. It comes down to your fourth line. It comes down to those matchups you can exploit. You know, it's it's funny you mention that because every night when I sit up in the press box, I get the lineup card. Yeah. <laughs> and I sit there and I'll look at the other team's lineup and I'll, I'll look to see their numbers. And almost every single game, when you look at the fourth line for the team that comes in here, it's a mismatch of guys who've maybe played 12 games Guys who who are like in their late twenties and have only played fifty career NHL games. This team has established NHL players on their fourth line, mm-hmm. and that's that's a huge advantage. Like there's teams in the playoffs, they won't even play their fourth line. Yeah, you're right. And the Golden Knights, Bruce Cassidy, will not only play his fourth line; he'll put them out there against. The top lines of other teams. Yeah, when when that matchup, when that battle, makes everything a lot easier on your top line guys. Yeah, it just I does. mean, it's it's such a huge advantage to be to have that ability to take a guy like Nick Juan and say, "Hey, Nick, you know what? I know you're on pace for career highs and points. Yeah, but this is where the team is better served with your ability, and he'll do it, and he won't he won't complain. He he will, and he'll go out there and he'll play just like he was playing on the top line." Probably more confident. Yeah. A um, couple of more texts that I, I want to get to. Uh, again, you can hit us at the text line anytime, 702-876-1340. Uh, Jordan Goodrich, it's a long message. I'm not going to get to all of it, but this is this is really the crux of the issue, right? Yes, he has, meaning Nick Waugh's done enough, but would you? No, probably not. If you're trying to win, If you're trying to win a championship... If you're trying to win playoff series, I think as great as Wah has been, as as awesome as the production has been, has he earned more than fourth-line minutes? Yeah, probably. Has he earned more games with those two players? Probably. But if you're trying to win, if you're trying to maximize your depth, he's your fourth-line guy. He well, just is. And I think if you ask Nick Wah, and I think if it's not just Nick Wall, I think if you ask any player, yeah, almost every guy is going to tell you they would rather have the opportunity to go back to back, oh yeah, than play higher up in the lineup. Like Nick Wall is is a very unselfish player, and this team is loaded with guys who are unselfish players, which is why they're so successful. Yeah, but Nick Wall wants to win. He's super com- like. We, we, we get a little bit of, of, of an idea when you talk to these guys, like how competitive they are with each other. Yeah. And Nick Waugh is a guy who who is a really competitive guy, despite the fact that he comes across as very quiet and, and mild-mannered. He's not really like that. Like, he he's intense, and he's funny, and he chirps. But so, go ahead. He, he He's... I think if Bruce comes to him and says, "Hey, you know what? This is what we're going to do." I don't think I don't think there's going to be any. There's not going to be any back and forth. No, it's going to be like, okay, coach. Whatever makes the team better. Whatever you need me to do to help win. Yep. Mike McMahon, why not see if you can put another line together with Jack? Better question. What the heck is healthy? That's, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, Stephanie brings up if you do go with Wa, Marcheseau, and Barbashev. That likely means you've got Eichel and Stone playing together. 
And at times, and, and frankly, if you remember, if you go back to the game against the Boston Bruins, if you go back to the game where Jack Eichel got injured, came back, uh, or I'm sorry, where Jack Eichel had the skate issue, was able to come back, then went, was unable and, and hasn't been available for the Golden Knights. If you go back to that game, Jack Eichel was playing with Mark Stone. Yeah, well, and that's... You loaded up your top line. You loaded things up because it wasn't working for you. And that's that leads me to this comment, Kelly McGinnis. Performance is there, but you're talking about Jack Eichel. Hard mm. to see Bruce sticking it out long-term with Wah if he has a couple down games. Bruce does like to ride the hot hand, but could slide Stevenson back to a wing and put Jack between him and Stone. Only yeah. time will tell. So long and the short of it is this. You hope that Nick Waugh can continue the production that he's got right now. You hope that that line, Barbashev, Waugh, and Marcheseau, can continue what they're doing because when that line's going, the Golden Knights are able to win hockey games. And what the Golden Knights need to do right now, in the absence of Jack Eichel, who's still not able and still not ready to return for the Golden Knights, in order to get through this stretch without him, you need guys to step up. There's no arguing that Nick Waugh hasn't fit that bill. He has stepped up in a way that I don't think a lot of people expected he would. He's been dominant, he's been fantastic, and he has been everything that this team has needed him to be in the absence of Jack Eichel. That does not mean, though, that Nick Waugh, in a different spot, isn't going to be the end game. I think if we're all looking at this, if we're all being objective, maybe the first couple of games, maybe when Jack's able and he's back and he's healthy, if you still get this production from that trio, maybe you ease Jack back in with different line mates, different combinations. Experimentation's not a bad thing here. It really isn't. But I do believe that as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, as we get closer and closer to the games that mean more, that matter more for seeding, whatever it might be, who you're going to play, all of that. You're going to see this team down the middle, Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, Nick Waugh. I'm just so excited that Nick Waugh's had this runway, this ability, this opportunity, this chance to run as a top-line player for this team, and he has done an amazing job carrying the load in that way. And if you want to see Nick Waugh and the Vegas Golden Knights take on the Nashville Predators Tuesday, we have a pair of tickets for you. 702-876-1340. That's the number. 702-876-1340. Caller number 10. You're a winner. We're back with one-timers next. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. One-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. We're going to get into the news in just a moment, but boy, oh boy. The Los Angeles Kings and the New Jersey Devils are on one right now. Jack Hughes, not very happy. Chris Chapman tells me that there was a hit on Jack. It was a clean hit on Jack. He and Victor Arvidsson get into it. It's a 1-1 game. 
about two and a half minutes left in the second period. The Kings are out shooting the Devils 21 to 12. Yeah. 21 to 12. But what matters is goals. And the Kings only with one on the board. So after beating the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night, yep. they have followed it up by scoring one goal through five periods, including a 7 nothing shellacking by the Buffalo Sabres the other night. Yeah, well, it hasn't been great for the Kings. We all know that, obviously, why they made a coaching change. But it gives you an idea of the New Jersey Devils and their goaltending. Again, tied at one. L.A. Kings, big save Dave, Dave Riddick. One goal on 21 shots. So we'll see kind of how things go. Now, Arvidsson did get away with a, a penalty. Listen. Jack Hughes also missed a wide open. Yeah, yeah. So, And I'm not sure what was more frustrating for Jack. I don't know what caused him to slash his stick on the on the glass and then absolutely whack it over the boards and then throw it into the game, in, into the playing surface. Like, probably should have been a delay a game penalty on Jack yeah. Hughes. Yeah. Now, Eric Hollow's reaction. Oh, it was fantastic. Priceless. Yeah. You see him cover it? It was, he, he did yeah. the old peekaboo. Calm down, Jack. You're... <laughs> You're looking like the tire that's going to kill everybody. Robert the tire. Yeah, there it is. Um, Jake Gensel to miss up to four weeks with an upper body injury. Gensel was injured last night against the Florida Panthers and placed on LTIR, which keeps him out up to 10 games or 24 days from today. That four-week time frame puts Gensel's timeline for return just after the March 8th trade deadline. Does this change anything? And I think it provides clarity on where the Penguins are going to go and what they're going to do with Jake Gensel. What say you? Well, I think if anything, it makes it more likely that they move him. Yes. Because the glimmer that they, the glimmer of hope that they would make the playoffs probably died last mm-hmm. night against the Florida Panthers with the injury to Jake Gensel. Yeah. So I think with that, the Penguins become sellers at the deadline. Um, obviously, Jake Gensel would bring in quite a good haul of maybe prospects and picks. Uh, but unfortunately for them, the injury probably limits what 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 they would get. It's probably they're probably going to get less than maybe they would have if he hadn't gotten injured. But. So there's two ways to look at it. Number one, I think it clarifies where the Penguins are going to be. You've got. Four weeks without Jake Gensel. Sidney Crosby can't do it by himself. The team can't defend. I think it it shines a light on who the Penguins are, and they're not a playoff team. Now, having said that, you still have a player that cannot play and continue to drive up his trade value, though I would make the argument at the same time, you are going to trade a premium for Jake Gensel, injured or not. Like, the expectation is he's going to come back. He's going to be able to play down the stretch and into the postseason. And a healthy Jake Gensel is a very, very good hockey player that can take a contender and turn them into a bona fide, legitimate, you're waltzing to the Stanley Cup final. That's how good Jake Gensel is. Yeah. So you're still going to have a premium. There's still going to be teams that are in on the Jake Gensel sweepstakes. But I think that this injury will push the Penguins to a place where they know they're not making the playoffs. They know they've got to retool. They know they've got to move some players out. And I think that this really does set the table for Jake Gensel to be 
the guy, the big attraction, the player moved on trade deadline day? I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are in the hunt. Like, I could see the Colorado Avalanche being in the hunt for him. You mentioned earlier in the show, Carolina Hurricanes. I wonder if the Vegas Golden Knights would be a potential suitor for Jake Gensel. I mean, the defending Stanley Cup champions are a team that's incredibly deep, that has dealt with injuries all season long, but it seems like things are turning the corner in terms of health. If you could bring a player like Gensel in, make you even deeper, give you another option on the power play, that'd be awesome. I don't know how realistic it is, but it would be awesome if that was available. Now, listen, every team that wants to win a Stanley Cup should check in with the Penguins. Yeah, yeah. Right? In the same way we were talking about Kevin Adams yesterday, like if you want to call me about Casey Middlestat, I'm not going to hang the phone up. I'm not going to trade him unless you blow me away, but I'm not going to hang the phone up. Every general manager that wants to win a championship should probably pick up the phone and just say, what's it looking like for Jake Gensel? That's all I'm saying. That's it. The Blue Jackets have fired general manager Yarmo Kekalainen after 12 seasons at the helm of the team. This surprise you at all? No, no. I'm actually so, su- no, I'm surprised it took this long. That's that's yeah. what I was gonna get to. Yeah. The message that it also sends to me was they weren't gonna wait until the end of the season to do so. Like they could have pulled the trigger on Yarmo at any point, but I think specifically they did not want him handling anything at the trade deadline. So if that's the case, why not? I that okay. that I can't answer. So, so here's here's the reason. Okay, Yarmo Kekalainen obviously was the general manager that made the decision to bring in Mike Babcock to be the the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. We all know how that ended. Mike was relieved of his duties. Mike sailed off into the sunset. Depending on the verbiage, there was a parting of ways because Mike Babcock who waited a while to get back into the fold in the National Hockey League because of how he treated players in the past, was right back into the news cycle about how he treated players on the Columbus Blue Jackets over the offseason to get to, quote, know them as people by rummaging through their phones. Babcock was let go before he even coached a game for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That is a stain on an organization. It just is. No other way around it. And so if you get to this point now with Yarmo where you're just like, ah, I, I don't want him overseeing the trade deadline. Why not, why not just make the break with Yarmo at the same time you made the break with Mike Babcock? Like, why wait to this point? I don't understand that. Well, my my only guess could be in that because everything happened so fast, mm-hmm. they did not have a person in place that they were wanting to make the general manager at the beginning of the season. Now they've had almost three quarters of the season to get through. John Davidson is going to take over as yep. 
as the general manager in place. Of course, he has a ton of experience coming from the New York Rangers. Sure does. But maybe he didn't want to do it the whole season. And maybe he needed some time to figure out what direction he wanted to go, who he wanted to bring in. But it was pretty clear they did not want Yarmo Kekalainen running the Columbus Blue Jackets at the trade deadline. Because that's a team that could be moving mm-hmm. some players. Now, I will say this in defense of Yarmo. He drafted very, very well. No, listen. This Columbus team has some really good young talent. And you look at a lot of the talent. That that team that beat the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. when they were the eighth seed and the, the Lightning won the President's Trophy. Yeah. You look at that roster, that's a really good team. He knows how to build a team, for sure. And, and that's why, you know, a lot of people are going to drag Columbus, like the city of Columbus. There will be... A lot of people looking into this job. There will be a lot of interest. It's a good team with solid structure, solid bones. You can build on this and turn the Columbus Blue Jackets into something. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see like what direction it goes. But you know, again, not really sure if you if you were if you were going to get this close to the trade deadline. I just feel like you probably should have done it sooner. Give you a little bit more runway going into it. Um, Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard returns tonight to face the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ah, Sidney Crosby. Kind of makes sense to me. Why not? Um, We all remember Connor Bedard takes a hit up high. He fractures his jaw January 5th. Underwent surgery a couple of days later to repair that fracture. Six to eight weeks was the timetable in terms of his return. Uh, we also know that, like, Bedard, two and a half weeks later, was on the ice because he just can't keep the kid off the ice, apparently. Not practicing with the team or anything, but just skating around because if you take hockey away from Connor Bedard, what else is he going to do, right? He's ahead of schedule. He's missed 14 games. You, you want to know what the record is for the, for the Chicago Blackhawks in the 14 games that Connor Bedard's missed? I'm going to guess they have two wins. Three, ten, and one. Ugh. Three, ten, and one. Well, there, there's it's, been some bad luck for, for that team. No, there hasn't. Like, like they're, they're, no, no, no. no. Here, here, what, what, what I'm saying is they're not a good team. They're, they're a terrible team, and they're probably going to end up with the number one overall pick again. But they've, they're probably nah, – they are as bad as their record. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're every bit yeah. as bad as their record. You think Seth Jones are. is loving the fact that he forced his way out of Columbus and ended up there? Um, I'm just going to give you a, a, a quick little score update. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's 1-0 Pittsburgh. Connor Bedard returns to the lineup. Slacker hasn't scored yet. He's a minus one. Unbelievable. That kid. Unreal. What is wrong with him? <laughs> He's only played 59 seconds. Oh, is it? Is the game, like, brand new? Oh, it just started? Oh, my gosh. They're, like, five minutes in. They're oh. already down. Oh. Gotta love it. Maybe put that <laughs> one on. Why? Like, again, I understand what drives Bedard. You fractured your jaw. Why not just lean into the timetable and return when it makes sense? Like, he hadn't even... He hadn't even, like, gone through practices in a non-contact and, like, kind of found his way in contact drills. It was just like, 
I got an x-ray. I'm good to go. I'm I'm in the lineup again. Do you think it's a case of him maybe feeling he has to win the Calder? Probably. Brock Faber's the favorite now. Other, otherwise, people will slag him. Like, they'll, they'll wrongfully, they'll, 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 oh, well, look, the Blackhawks draft this guy number one. He's supposed to be the next big thing, and he didn't win the Calder. Like, it's stupid, but... Do you feel like he he's putting the pressure on himself that he has to win that? Probably. I, well, I don't know that he's putting pressure on himself that he has to win it. I just think he wants to. Yeah. 15 goals, 39 games, just under a point a game, 33 points. Like, he's been good. Yeah. On a really bad... He's their best player. Well, he has no one around him. But he's still their... Like, but, but, but that's the point. Like, yeah. There's only so much he can do by himself. It's been a solid season for him. I, I, I'd say he's been as good as advertised. Yeah, I, I'd say so, too. Those are your one-timers for today, Thursday, February 15th. Catching up with Chapman is next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. Well, we don't talk a ton about women's basketball on this show, and we wouldn't because it's a hockey show, but... Caitlin Clark uh, maybe has become a little bit of a household name uh, thanks to being a high prolific scorer. Well, today she broke the all-time scoring record for women's college basketball players. She hit a deep three, scoring her 3,520th point. She eclipsed the record held by current Las Vegas ace Kelsey Plum. So congratulations to, I'm sorry, she has 3,528 points. She scored eight points tonight, breaking the record of 3,527, which was held by Kelsey Plum. It was a deep three. Pretty, pretty cool shot. Pretty awesome shot to break the record on. But a little bummed that Kelsey's record fell. But, you know, records are made to be broken. So congratulations, Caitlin Clark, on uh, breaking that record. It's pretty cool. You know it's better than records. What's that? Championships. Yeah, championships are better, and Kelsey Plum's got two WNBA titles. Caitlin Clark will be in the WNBA next year. We'll see what she does. But I like championships. Championships are good. Did you see the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's new sweaters? I like it. All yeah. black. You like them? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Throwback. The numbers. Those are like the numbers are are the coolest part for me. Not a big fan of black. Yeah. Just, it's overdone a little bit. It is. It is. And like Tampa, you can really lean into some cool blues. Yeah. Like they've had over the course of their career. Like not right now where they're just the Toronto Maple Leafs with a different crest. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know. They were fine. Hello. Not my favorite. Think Mallard's back tomorrow? I think you should take another day off. Rest up. Be ready yeah. for Saturday. Get well, Mallard. We miss you. We'll catch you tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show.